Nebraska Public Media Sports brings you live coverage of the girls and boys NSAA High School Soccer Championships from Morrison Stadium at Creighton University. Monday, May 13th, see Class B girls at 8.30 p.m. Central and Class A girls at 8 p.m. Central on Nebraska Public Media. Welcome to Hurt at Sports Radio. Kicking off hour number three here on Hurt at, or excuse me, hour two. Robbie's oh. been here since five. That's why it's hour number three. I have not been here since five. <laughs> uh, kicking off hour number two here on Hurt at Sports Radio and 590 ESPN Omaha and ESPN Tri-Cities. I want to tell you about our friends over at Pratt Dental. Dr. Pratt is was the first dentist in Nebraska to be certified for the BioClear method located in North Platte. Uh, the BioClear method and modern smile design can correct many aesthetic dilemmas in a permanent and less invasive manner than traditional treatments such as crowns. Give Pratt Dental a call 308-221-2800. Pratt Dental creating healthy smiles. Uh, guy that always has a healthy smile whenever I see him is my guy Matt D. Marinas from the White and Blue Review. Maddie, how are you this morning? Good, man. Don't be don't be lying to people about my smile, though. Come on now. Uh, listen, you're you're uh, you're a happy, smiling guy. Whenever I see you, it, it, maybe it's just me. Maybe you just like me. I do like you. That's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> Normally, you have a you have a nice, healthy scowl on your face. Very Batman esque. Yeah, there's like five people. <laughs> He's just a man of mystery. He is. He's he's an international man of mystery, Matt Damarinas. That's what we like to call him. No, nothing to that there. See? That's fine. No, he stays uh, silent because he's <laughs> mysterious. No, I told you. Not even. Not even. I don't think I've ever heard that in my life. Not once. Uh, Matt, as we get ready to kick off Creighton's season tonight, uh, let's look back real quick at the opener or the exhibition against Wayne State. Um, anything you learned there? Anything that you, you gathered from that? I know you're at practice a bunch. Um, anything we learned from the, the Wayne State exhibition that you didn't know already? Uh, I think the thing you learned is that this team has um, a really high level ability to shoot the basketball. Uh, they're going to play with a lot of pace. Um, you know, offensively, they're probably ahead of maybe where they are defensively because they have new pieces kind of in different spots. Um, so that's going to be maybe a more of a work in progress than it has been the last two years when the defense kind of carried them through certain stretches while the offense was a little bit more up and down, uh, certainly capable of good nights, but not always super consistent from an efficiency standpoint. So I think that's, that'll be a difference this year, I think. I think the offense will be more consistent on that basis. Uh, I think they have the ability to probably be one of the best offenses in the country. And defensively, I think... Just my initial feel right now is that it's probably going to go down a bit from where it has been the past couple of years, but not dramatically so. I think they still have the ability to be, you know, kind of a top 30, top 25 defense, but I think offensively they have a chance to be, you know, top five, maybe even number one from an efficiency standpoint. So there's just a lot of weapons out there right now. Matt. That's what we saw. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was just saying that. I think that's what we saw the other night. Is that that they have a lot of they have a lot of they have a lot of power. 
Matt, some key departures, some key additions, um, and uh, the topic of conversation that has forever popped up this offseason is this team is going to be better than last year's team. Are you on that train? I'm not. I don't know yet. I don't. I haven't seen. I need to see like a game or two against a team that I hold in kind of high regard before I go there because. So you'll know tonight against Florida A and M, and then North Dakota State. Yeah, yeah tonight I'll tell the whole story. That's, I think Florida A and M is one of the top 340 teams in the country. Uh-huh. We'll give us that gut barometer. Um, no. Uh, you know, you, you go to Elite Eight last year, and you're a possession away from the Final Four. I, I understand that people want, are trying to kind of speak it into existence, that there's addition by subtraction, and that there's the ability now to just rip through, have this kind of dream-like season where you lose one or two games all year, and they're all close, and, you know, it's just going to be... You know, just a parade to a national championship. Essentially, it's it just seasons don't go like that. I just wish people. I mean, Michigan State is a really good basketball team. They're zero one. I still think they have the ability to make a Final Four, um, but right now, no one thinks they're any good. So you know what I mean? It's, that's the way seasons go. You know, you're still dealing with eighteen to twenty. Well, I guess they're twenty-five year olds now. You're still dealing with 18 to 25 year olds, so honestly, the variance is even wider now than it used to be. Um, I just think there's, yeah, there's going to be up and down throughout the season. There's going to be injuries. There's going to be stuff that just doesn't come, you know, off the top of your head right now. But they're capable of being better than last year because offensively, you know, the pieces work really well together when you look at Ashworth and. Alexander and Shireman, that's like, you know, myself and one of your, your colleagues, Jacob Padilla, we both think that's basically three point guards right there. Yes, so yeah. Whoever, whoever's grabbing a rebound is the point guard yes. <laughs> in transition. And then, you know, when they're in the quarter court, then they set stuff up and probably run a more, you know, system-oriented um, motion offense. But, you know, and then defensively they have a lot of veterans, like Ryan Kaufman is. You know, his resume speaks for itself. Trey Alexander has gotten better. Uh, Baylor Shireman's gotten better. You know, so as a, they just have a lot of understanding of how to win basketball games, and that's going to carry them through maybe nights where they don't have their A game or aren't playing as sharp. And for that reason, their record might look better than it has the last two years, but I don't know if that necessarily translates into being – you know, well, they went to the Elite Eight last year. They brought back the pieces. They're going further. That's not usually how it works. So, we'll see. Matt, I'm going to be honest. I blacked out after you said parade to a national championship. So, I, I didn't hear anything <laughs> after that. Um, no, so I. I <laughs> not the parade to the national I didn't hear that part. Um, yeah, so okay. <laughs> so you, you kind of touched on my point because I've said several times that I do think this team uh, will be better than last year's. But. I generally mean in the regular season because I do think March Madness is kind of a crapshoot. And so when I say they're going to be better, I expect them to be dramatically more consistent during the regular season. Is that a fair way to look at this team? Yeah, I think they're just because they have a lot of veterans. So, I mean, in my experience, in my experience, when team chemistry is good and you have a lot of veterans, you have a really good regular season. You know what I mean? So, Mm. yeah, you, you should totally... 
I think you should lean on that a little bit. Feel good about that prediction. Um, you know, there's the guys, the guys that came back, and the guys that came into the program, like, you know, like a Stephen Ashford, um, like an Isaac Trout, like a Josiah Dopler. You know, they they all kind of believe in what Creighton's doing, you know, and they all want to win. So you mix that with players like Trey Alexander and Baylor Shireman and Ryan Kalkbenner who have all done it and Francisco Farabello who have all done it and they know how to win and they want to win more. You know, they're not complacent. That's that's a good mixture there for having a good season. So everything on paper right now going into it should breed, I guess, confidence from an outsider's perspective because there's just not a whole lot that I guess if you were to try to assess what could go wrong here, there's not a really low floor, you know. It's just it seems like they're going to be a really good basketball team. I don't know. That sounds stupid just to say it as plainly as that, but they are going to be pretty good. So um, I think they'll be one of the best teams in the country overall. Matt, what do you think makes this team better offensively? Is it the fact that they have improved their shooting kind of one through five, or is it the fact that they've got essentially three guys capable of initiating offense at any given time? Because, uh, well, I'll just let you answer the question. I don't want to give my answer. Go ahead. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, <laughs> I do that, that is too. the point of the interview. I was going to say, yeah, I can do that later, <laughs> after, after we get rid of you. So, so. I, just go ahead and say what you're going to say, and I'll say agree or disagree, and then we'll go to the next one. Well, so I um, – I, I, yeah. I, he's I, kidding. Yeah, I know. I can't ever tell with him. He's a sarcastic <laughs> guy. <laughs> um, no, um, I think, you know, what the thing for me is, is they have multiple guys that are just willing to play different roles in the offense. So, Stephen Ashworth is – Right, he's brought in as a point guard, and the narrative is that he's the replacement to Ryan Nemhard, and, you know, all year long they're going to be compared to each other. Um, but that's not really how it's been going. Like, Ashworth is the point guard, and he's going to have the ball in his hands a lot, but not as much as R2 did. Like, Trey Alexander is going to run, um, you know, run point. Bella Shireman can run point. Francisco Farabello can run point. You know, it just, it just, there's going to be a lot more flow to their offense. It's going to be a lot harder for defenses to kind of load up and say, all right, here's how we're matching up. Especially in transition, you know, I think this team has a that, – that might be the biggest difference between where this team can go and what the teams of the past couple of years were. But I think in transition, this team's going to be really, really hard to deal with. You know, I think we kind of knew who they were offensively and where the ball needed to be last year or last year and the year before and I just think now it's, it's it's just there's more flow to it there's more there's more positionless feel to this offense right now obviously you want to kind of put funnel a lot of your stuff through Ryan Kaufbender from a ball screen standpoint at the point of attack and also kind of getting him the ball near the basket but you can play that inside out game still and also just, you know, move it, play with pace. doesn't matter who has the ball in their hands with any of those three guards. They're going to generate high-quality shots. And honestly, with, with the way Trey Alexander and Stephen Ashworth and Baylor Sherman are shooting the ball, especially in practice and, you know, kind of what we saw the other night, 
you know, they're capable of really putting some dangerous runs together at several stances of the game. You know, we're talking like if you're, you know, just it's a little bit of a dogfight, it's 12-12 or 15-12, all of a sudden you get to that kind of that second wave of the first half and all of a sudden it's 15-1 or something like that just changes the game, you know. Those are those are those are those are meaningful spurts and I think this offense is capable of doing that multiple times throughout the night. And I think it's because they just have an unselfish nature to who they are offensively, you know. They're not they don't feel like, oh, you know, the game's telling us this, I gotta take over. It's all just flow. I think they flowed really well together. I think their chemistry with the ball, playing with each other is really good. And I think that's what's going to make them a really dangerous offense this year and probably a better offense than they've been the past couple of years. Matty, on the other side of the ball, think uh, Ryan Kalkbrenner can join Patrick Ewing and Alonzo Mourning as the only three-time Big East defensive players of the year? I know, right? Um, I mean, I picked it to happen just because I think he's the best defender in the country. But <laughs> I, that's 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 rare air, right? Right. So, and and when you just look at the way awards are kind of voted on, you know, especially in basketball, there's kind of like a boredom boredom sets in eventually, and you want kind of a new face as your as your you know as that award. So I don't know if the coaches are going to hand it to him again unless you know, abundantly clear that Creighton's got one of the best events in the country and it's because of Ryan Kaufman. So we'll see. That's that's I feel like that's gonna be a lot harder than it was to win the first two times just because now they're basically like, Okay, do we wanna put this guy in Ewing and Morning's, you know Right in historic and, company. Yeah, exactly. Like that, that's I think that's the thing that's working against him. I think he's the best rim protector in the country. I don't think that's that's up for debate as we go into the college basketball season today, so or yesterday, but you know, as far as what he can do, you know, we when we saw what 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 they're like without him, and what they are like with him at full strength. So his impact is clear. Whether he gets the whether he gets that notoriety for it or not is kind of it's irrelevant to me because. You know, we just know who he is and what he's capable of and how he elevates this team right now. I think he's, depending on how this season goes, I think he has a chance to be, you know, on Doug McDermott's tier in terms of players who have impacted Creighton. I think it's, I think he has a chance to finish it out on that, on that level with the way he's, with the way his career has gone so far and what he's capable of. Uh, Maddie, I know you watch a ton of Big East basketball in general. Um, so a couple of questions, or just a question about a, a, the couple other teams kind of listed at the top of the league with Creighton. Um, do you think Marquette can replicate uh, their level of success from last year, at least in the regular season? And are we not talking enough about UConn's losses in terms of the guys that left the program when considering who they're going to be this year? Well, with Marquette, I think <clears throat> the easy answer is yes, because, you know, in college basketball experience is like, you know, is really valuable. So they have a lot of their players back from a really, really good season. The, 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 there's different dynamics now that are going to be pl in play with them. They're going to be the hunted versus the hunter, so they have to 
you know, they have to kind of switch their mentality up. But I felt like last year they really got after teams and were chasing something. They were chasing that 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 notoriety, that respect, that that you know, we're not the eighth or ninth best team in the in the conference. We're we're one of the best teams in the conference. I think that was like that was an edge they were able to harness. And um, I think when you're the favorite, it's just it's a little different. You know, you, it's hard to manufacture that that juice when you're expected to be the team that wins most nights. So that'll be different for them. How they handle that challenge will, I think, ultimately determine how how long they hold on to that top spot. Right now on paper, it's hard to pick against them. I wanted to so badly because I really love Villanova. I love, I love the roster they put together. I think it fits exactly who Villanova's always been. And I... I I felt like they were the best team in the conference going in on paper, but I just, with Marquette having most of the players back from winning the league title outright and then winning the Big East tournament, you're like, okay, well, it just doesn't make any sense not to have them number one. So really it's one and one A for me with them and Villanova. I think Creighton's right there. I think UConn has the talent to be in that tier as well. I just need to see what it looks like without Jordan Hawkins, Andre Jackson, uh, Sonogo. You know, I think Joey Calcaterra has gone too. Like they're, they're, you know, there's, they're, they're different. I think they're really talented. I think they're really well coached. Uh, but I need to see it first before I, before I say, oh yeah, UConn, you know, not going to miss a beat here. So that's a lot of, those a lot of studs they lost. But, you know, and I'm just, I know UConn, I know UConn Twitter is like, you know, has an edge to it. But, I mean, I just don't think you can lose that type of talent and just hit the ground running without any kind of transition or, you know, adversity. And especially when you look at the fact that that team wasn't gangbusters start to finish last year. I mean, they right. they lost seven regular season games in Big East play. So it's basically almost just above 500. And, and they lost to Marquette in the semis in the Big East tournament. So, I mean... The only te- the only the only time they looked like the best team in the country is when they weren't playing Big East competition. So, you know, then you lose the studs they've lost, and I just need to see I need to see what that looks like first. I need to see if Donovan Klingon's ready to handle kind of a, a, a starter's workload. I need to see if Stephon Castle is really, you know, the truth in terms of not only his talent level, which I think is unquestioned, but his ability to kind of be consistent from a nightly basis. That's the thing that freshmen struggle with. So. They're relying on a lot of unknowns right now that are capable from a talent standpoint, but can they do it, you know, on a night-to-night basis in a league that has a lot of teams that are capable of winning a national championship? Matt, strength of schedule has never been a problem for Creighton. Over the past four seasons, they've had a top 25 strength of schedule. If this year is really the year of the Final Four, because I feel like when talking to almost everybody about expectation, that's what they that's what they expect out of this Creighton group. They should be pretty, or they should be plenty, I guess I should say, plenty tested for that uh, for a Final Four run. Would you agree? Yeah, well, I mean, the, I think the Big East at the top is it feels a lot like that 1920 year before before COVID took over, you know, it felt like at that point there were three teams that were capable of being, you know, on the final weekend. Like Seton Hall was really good. Villanova was really good Had pros all over the place. And then Creighton was just flying. So 
you know, I think that that was that's as good at the top of the league as it's been ever since I think it reconfigured. And I think this year is one of those years too. I don't necessarily love the middle, and I certainly think there's more at the bottom than people are willing to admit. Like I don't, Keaton Hall did not look good last night. Mm-mm. Butler's Butler's an interesting phase for me. DePaul's kind of DePaul. Um, I don't know what Georgetown's going to look like in year one. They don't. They're not really healthy right now, so it's going to be weird looking who they are and what kind of team they can be. And then you know St. John's lost to a D two team in. in in non-con, and they're kind of hanging their head on that Rutgers win, but Rutgers lost last night to Princeton. So, I mean, I don't know who St. John's is yet. Uh, Xavier's obviously going to take a step back from last year, so I don't love the middle or bottom in terms of the overall toughness of the league right now this season, but I love the top. I think the top is capable of being being anyone in the country. Marquette, Villanova, UConn, Creighton. So that's going to be those, – those, that four will be a war for sure. And then you look at Creighton with the rest of their non-con. Like, I think Loyola Chicago will be better than they were last year. I think Nebraska will be better than they were last year. Um, UNLV has a chance to be pretty good. Alabama is, you know, Nados is just one of the more consistent coaches in the country, so he'll have them ready. Same with Fran McCaffrey in Iowa. So there's some, there's some good games in there. And then I think Colorado State's going to probably be better than they were a year ago. I don't know if they're going to be as good as they were two years ago, but I think, you know, if Creighton plays them on the second day in Kansas City, that that could be a really good game on a neutral floor um, that could have, you know, you could be looking at two NCAA tournament conference winning teams in that matchup. So, um, yeah, there's going to be, there's, I think it's not as like, it's not, it doesn't have as much teeth as last year. Last year was pretty psychotic. Um, like, but there's, there's, it's, it's a good schedule for a team that's this good because there's going to be tests throughout it. And as you get through towards the end of the season, when you're looking at, you know, you're playing Marquette at, at home in March, you're playing Villanova on the road right before the Big East tournament, um, the UConn at the end of February. Like, you know, those the Big East, when they put this together, they said, okay, we're going to make sure the best teams in the conference are playing each other at the end of the season. So, as this thing ramps up, it's going to get more and more difficult, and you're going to see, you're going to get like a postseason feel in the arena. You know, it's going to feel like NCAA tournament games for about you know a couple weeks before the NCAA tournament even starts. Uh, Matt, we're going to get you out of here on uh, this, ho- and then I have kind of a joke question for you at the end if we have time. Uh, Heath asks on YouTube, "Who is your biggie sleeper this year? Like somebody outside of that top three of?" Marquette, UConn, and Creighton that you think has a chance to maybe surprise some people. I know some people Don't say like, Villanova either. I would say not. I would say you, you, you love Villanova. I know a lot of people like uh, Providence, mm-hmm. too. Well, Villanova's not in that top three. Well, I can't say Villanova. Yeah, we're going to say because you already, you already said Villanova, so give us somebody else. Okay. Ugh. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I just told you I don't like the middle or the bottom. Exactly. So there is. So there's no one else. <laughs> is there no one else? Providence, Providence has Bryce Hopkins. Like I think he's capable of winning the conference player of the year. Um, I don't know what they are like. That's Providence All right, you got like ten seconds here, Maddie. John Fanta said that a Creighton player last year, who's no longer there, his entire family was blowing him up about how he should be covered last year. Do you have any guess who that might have been? Yeah. <laughs>
would you like to share with us? No. Okay, sounds yeah. good. Uh, that <laughs> that's our guy Matt D. Marinas. <laughs> he doesn't want, he doesn't he doesn't want to put Matt Miller on blast. Come on. <laughs> that's, our, <laughs> that's our guy Matt D. Marinas from the White and Blue Review. Matty, we appreciate it. No problem, guys. Thanks. Thanks, Matt. Buddy. More Herd Sports Radio coming up next.